You're all about the rebranding. You've got freedom well, uh, dividends. I, I, now we could have like the freedom police. <laughs> the, the freedom police. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> or like the freedom task force. Because then you're not associated with the police. You're just the freedom. Right, right. Freedom citizens. <laughs> Welcome to episode 34 of the Hewness Agenda podcast. My name is Kenny. I'm Sherry. And I'm Rory. And today is a very hot day outside, for me at least. I'm, I'm sweating buckets here, but we'll get through it. I went on the boat today, so I'm doing pretty good. On a boat? Yes. Where did you go? My in-laws have a boat. We just went <gasps> down to Lake Huron and boated around. No way! The temperature's okay. really nice out there, I have to say. Oh, and we nice. were socially distanced, which is Good. like the best part of it. Yeah, I've been uh, still so you know isolating myself, but definitely have seen my friends a lot more, <laughs> and at at still a, a appropriate distance away from them. So um, it's really fun. I... We, we were at a park, and we were all in a big circle. <laughs> all spaced out <laughs> it was like we were summoning some kind of like i don't know <laughs> demon or something some conjuration in a, in a uh, ritual going on yeah rory and i caved yesterday <gasps> we had video games together we played video games for a few hours with another friend of ours oh, okay we sat on my couch with masks on and uh we each had our own controller um Everything was cleaned. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I, when I see my friends, we're usually outside as well, and like we always had to bring our own drinks, own food. Mm-hmm. There's you know no sharing of anything. Mm-hmm. But you know I think we're making it work. But I think at least the good thing is uh, where we are in London, Ontario. The case, the number of new cases have been pretty low, and the total cases have actually been going down. So yes, thankfully, it's, uh, good news for our city. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And it's nice to see people again. Just, it feels really weird, but it is really nice to, like, see your friends again. Remember mm-hmm. that you had that life before all of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't recognize most of them. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> they all have their own, like, self-haircuts. <laughs> yes. Or, like, big beards. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you guys realize how excited I was to finally get a appointment scheduled. So I have a haircut appointment scheduled for next week. And yeah, I I felt so much happiness the moment I got this appointment. It's it's the little things in life now that really makes it worth it. (laughs) To live and go and move go on. Do you have to wear a mask when you get your haircut? I think I do. I I mean obviously I I haven't done it yet, so I think I mean either way I wear a mask anyways when I'm out in public and like uh, shopping, so it. I, I just assume I'm just going to be wearing my mask, and they'll cut around it, and I don't know, move my mask or something like that. Yeah. Who knows? Well, that's exciting, though. It's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, today we're going to be talking about a topic that's relatively current. Uh, I, I think if most people. Uh, probably already know if you have not listened to the news, you probably don't know what we're talking about already. But uh, I assume most people don't live under a rock and they have heard 
of some unrest around the world, some protests around the world. Um, so to give a little bit of backstory, today we're going to talk about the topic of defunding the police. And in terms of how this came about, uh, just as a reminder, on May 25th of 2020, uh, George Floyd Jr., an African-American man, was arrested in uh, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, for allegedly using counterfeit money to buy cigarettes. Uh, during the arrest, uh, Derek uh, Shevlin, I don't know how to pronounce this. Doesn't last name, matter. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> a white, a white police officer uh, knelt, uh, knelt onto his neck for approximately eight minutes, a little over eight minutes. Uh, the officer's knee, uh, while on the neck, basically uh, resulted in uh, George Floyd dying uh, during his arrest, and this triggered global protests around the world against racism, especially against people of color. And this concept, this term of defund the police have kind of sprung up in, in the vocabulary in our world. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about defunding the police and the concept of defunding police and maybe some interesting data points as well. So essentially, uh, defunding the police, the concept is really around redistributing police budgets. You, there's a pretty broad spectrum in terms of where people kind of sit in terms of their camps uh, around the topic of defunding the police. You know, some people are uh, looking at trying to potentially dismantle the concept of police all the way to the concept of just redistributing the funding of police. So um, lots of wide opinions within that space, but essentially the key concept here is our police system is broken, and the question is, how do we fix it? So, and I think uh, there's a difference between like saying abolish the police and defund the police, um, where I think most people are saying like we want to keep police for you know, those really bad cases or whatever that actually need to be dealt with by the police. But then defunding means just kind of taking away uh, some of the funding to put towards other... So, like, for example... Yeah, and... Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, so, for example, like, instead of having police officers go to... Um, like, a call for somebody who's threatening suicide or whatever... Uh, they would send in maybe a social worker um, instead of a police officer. So it's about uh, reallocating those resources. So we keep police, but we also like reallocate some of those resources to um, where they would be better fitted. Yeah, and when you think about what police have to deal with right now, you know, uh, mental health issues. The, our mental health system isn't working, and we have. Uh, mental health problems on the street, who has to deal with it? It's the police. Uh, if you have uh, drug addiction uh, issues in the city because you know your health uh, departments aren't able to manage it, the police have to deal with it. And if there's uh, you know a, a huge spectrum of problems that police have to deal with, and e for, even in schools, for example, if there's any problems in schools, you know what. Uh, police potentially have to kind of deal with uh, issues at school. Uh, so the, given this huge kind of workload for a police in such a wide variety of field, uh, 
there's a question of whether it actually makes more sense to reallocate some of that funding to people who are able to more effectively manage mental health situations, for example. Right. As opposed to leaving it to the downstream, which is the police as kind of the last resort to deal with these sort of things, look for more of an upstream solution to provide more preventative measures before it becomes a crisis that can only be dealt with by police. And it's funny that there are a lot of police who agree with defund the police. They don't think that they should be using their resources to go to mental health wellness checks and things like that. Like, a lot of police agree that there there are things that they don't need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, there's one aspect of kind of moving the funding to deal with health and social uh, social problems within the city. I think the other aspect we should keep in mind is obviously the racism piece. So we, we do know there's systematic racism. Uh, it's pretty clear even from the data uh, when you look at the percentage of calls in which police forces had to use a gun uh, when they did a comparison between white officers and black officers in different populations, uh, distributions where there are either higher black populations or lower black populations. It's clear the more black people are in the population, uh, the number from a percentage standpoint, more white officers usually use guns in those uh, situations. So there's been published data kind of tracking the use of guns, use of violence. And uh, there's definitely something wrong from a systematic standpoint where black people in general, and I think definitely likely in Canada from an indigenous uh, people's perspective, uh, there's a disproportionate uh, use of force and weapons against uh, people of color. Yeah, that's actually an idea I was pretty interested in is if defunding is successful, whether behaviors like your stop and frisk in minority neighborhoods would be the part of policing that gets reduced or, you know, what does a a reduced police force look like? Something I've been very mm-hmm. curious about while hearing mm-hmm. all of this. Yeah. So maybe, uh, you know, given we're we all here live in uh, London, Ontario. I can maybe go through some numbers that, uh, uh, from a budget standpoint. Uh, so I, ver- I was very curious about how much money is actually spent in our city uh, on the police force. And in total, um, the police force spends about $122 million uh, per year, uh, or at least this was uh, 2019's budget. And when you look at, from percentage spaces, how much from a city's budget actually gets allocated to the police? Approximately, these are approximate numbers, but it's around 18% of the city's budget is spent on the police force. And when you look at other areas like social uh, support, community housing, so social support, about 3%. So a fraction of uh, the police budget, uh, community housing, 2%, and then health for the health unit, 1%. So wow. you can you can see there's a, a huge amount of per, uh, percentage of the budget goes to the police. Um, and I think what was also very interesting is uh, I actually looked through the historical spending 
for the police uh, within their budgets. And uh, when you look at a compound annual growth between 2016 and 2019, the police budget has kind of grown on average about 3% from a compound annual growth perspective. Now, okay, 3% sounds small, sounds reasonable, um, except when you look at uh, how much is spent on health and social services, again, in those years from a compound annual growth perspective, uh, they actually got negative 0.5%. So the police budget is increasing as a whole for a percentage basis while the health and social services are actually decreasing. And I think what uh, potentially makes it even worse is then when I uh, looked at the gross domestic product of London and basically the rate of productivity and growth from an economic standpoint in London, London historically grows from an economic standpoint about 1.5, 1.8%. So the city's um, economy is growing at a let's you know sub 2% rate, but the police is getting a 3% increase uh, on an average year. So more money is flowing into the police uh, in comparison to even how the economy is growing within London. So that's just... Uh, to give you a little bit of perspective where the priorities are in London. So given, uh, you would assume if things are stable uh, and from a prioritization standpoint, you know, um, uh, the city is going to allocate uh, the same amount of money based on the growth of the economy. You would assume the police is going to grow about 2%. But the fact that they're growing 3% means the city is actually prioritizing <laughs> And actually moving money uh, into the police and taking it taking it away from other parts of the budget, uh, and just one part of the budget that uh, obviously was reduced was the health and social services spending. So, is police funding the sort of uh, highest amount in the yes, budget? Yes, it is. Okay, it is. Because 18%, like you say, 18%, it doesn't seem like it's a lot. Like I would think like, oh, 50% or something, but... 18% and then you got I guess you have like a whole bunch of others yeah. that are smaller. Yeah, I, I think it's also um, if you look at their annual reports, it's a little misleading as well because they will actually put up a graph where they actually start grouping a bunch of these. Um, so it, they group a bunch of categories to make it look like um, the health and social services spending is actually a little more than the police. But actually once you start breaking the numbers down, um, in terms of, you know, what's spent at the health unit and what's spent on uh, housing. Uh, it, it's actually uh, pretty small when you can compare um, across multiple years. So, so Are they lumping some so, rather dissimilar categories together to arrive at these figures that make it look like the police spending is in line? Uh, no, I, I don't think they're doing it on purpose. I, I mean, I, I looked at the historical numbers. I think they're just trying to... Uh, just make it easier for people to understand because there there are a lot of numbers behind this and they're just trying to group it in a way where people can logically see, oh, this is how much it is for like protective services, but protective services is actually police, fire, etc. Um, but but I just looks purely at the police. No- I've had to pull out the police numbers and pull out the specific health uh, numbers. So um, yeah, it, 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 just, just I, I was just really trying to focus on just po- the police uh, number here. 
Um, so fire has also increased. Um, okay, but you know, from a relative spending standpoint, police is still substantially higher than fire services. I've read that a lot of different services have been receiving cuts. You know, amidst the COVID pandemic, that. The economy is not doing as well as it has in the past, and so different mm-hmm. social services like public schools, public hospitals, public libraries, things like that are getting cuts. But somehow, police have, until now, escaped any of those cuts and have actually maintained the increase, like you said. Mm-hmm. Do you know if um, police, like they would have a union? Is it like an Ontario union, probably? OPP, I guess. Uh, I I don't know that. <laughs> Um, okay. That I, I was am just curious unfamiliar if... with. Yeah. Um, but as I quickly Google it, <laughs> uh, there are, there's a police association of Ontario, but to be honest, I, I think I, I don't have enough information to really talk about it. No, I was just thinking, cause I know that like the union, the police unions have been really vocal in the U S um, and have kind of stopped a lot of this progress from happening. So I was just curious mm-hmm. um, if we knew anything about that. But yeah, so Sorry, uh, I didn't mean it, to derail. It, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it still goes to um, uh, whether you know it's the influence of the unions or not. Uh, at the end of the day, in ge- at least for our city. Uh, the the theme or the trend has been, you know, this uh, higher funding for police, maybe disproportionate to maybe what we should be spending on the health and social um, services side of things. So I think, I mean, that that's probably a debate for some people, you know, in a ideal city, you know, should we prioritize mental health? Should we prioritize housing, for example? Should we prioritize employment services. So I think these are the questions that are coming up uh, in the environment right now when people are talking about defunding the police. You know, Do we actually try to redistribute some of the funding into these other services so that we can avoid uh, having you know, more police confrontations? And can we help enable the population to essentially avoid some of these problems that the police have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. I think when we look at this, we want to ask questions like what will more funding in housing do, for example, or what will, so if we take away funding from police, what will more funding in healthcare do? So like what are some of the initiatives that we can do to replace the police? Yep. Yep. So I don't know. Well, what do you guys think? Do you have any hesitations when uh, the term, you know, defund the police comes into your mind? Well, I would say only one. Overall, I think it overwhelmingly is a positive conversation to have one about reallocating resources in a more effective manner to, rather than be punitive with people who are often in poverty, to actually help them, give them a step up before the police have to intervene and be the police. My only concern is, I think there's a trend in most defunded institutions, because you consider that 
healthcare, education, things like that are constantly and systematically being defunded every year. Nobody really has a conversation about it. Um, The talk then becomes, do we consider privatized options? And my concern is I'm not really sure whether a privatized police force, if it comes to that, say each city or municipality, whatever, hires a police force on a semi-private basis or, God forbid, even some private company decides it wants its own police force, are they more or less accountable to the public in that scenario than what we have right now where we can actually have a strong backlash and demand things from the public police force? And I don't have an answer. I'm just... Pondering that is something that gives me a moment's pause amidst this rally of defund the police. Yeah, I think the argument um, one would have would be the the police have promised, you know, year after year after year that reforms are going to happen, right? And the more money you we throw at the police in order to buy body cameras, etc., the the rate of incarceration hasn't really changed uh, from uh, uh, from a pr- perspective of you know, people of color. Uh, so there's a lot of evidence that you know throwing money at the problem right now hasn't really uh, changed the uh, overall st- uh, statistics. So uh, I think there. I think it sounds like a lot of people are looking for change, right? They're looking for trying to um, uh, do something different other than continue the process of. Uh, throwing money at the problem and essentially either hiring more police or giving the police more equipment and toys, essentially more training, sensitivity training, things like that. I Mm -hmm. agree that the efforts at reforming police have seemingly met with mixed or negative results. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I I definitely get that argument and it could just be a smokescreen that, you know, people who have that moment's pause, like I just had are just deluding themselves that, Police are already only serving a certain group's interests, and they're not serving the public good to the extent one would assume a public institution would. Well, I don't know. Sherry, do you have any concerns about defunding the police? I mean, as soon as Rory said privatizing, I was out. Like, I don't want to privatize the police. Anytime something is privatized, it's always corrupt. I never want to go there. Um, But, like... I think it's really legitimate to say let's, you know, stop giving some funding to the police and start giving it to social systems, which will actually help people versus, like you said, penalize people. Um, A very close family friend of mine, uh, her husband is actually a police officer. Um, And I know someone I used to work with uh, transitioned into becoming a police officer, um, two very different people. One person I would say was definitely interested in helping people and really wanted, it was really caring. And then the other person might have a little bit of an ego behind that decision. So like, I, I can see the draw for these people and how these people might um, feel threatened by us saying let's defund the police because that means less police jobs, right? 
But exactly, like if you if you were to put yourself into their shoes, right? It's almost like equivalent to someone saying, "Hey, let's defund education," right? <laughs> that mm-hmm. suddenly your hairs are gonna stick up, right? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think I think is a natural reaction, right? Mm-hmm. And and been there the last year of strikes mm-hmm. and stuff like that to to try and keep my job and try and because I'm still struggling to get full time. A permanent contract so like I'm affected by the cuts from education every year that we're making cuts mm-hmm. so like I can understand why somebody might who works in the police department might say like no don't defund the police because that takes away from people's jobs and then you're you're sort of negatively affecting the economy and I know that's something we've talked about in the past when we talked about AI about people losing their jobs to AI and how we need to kind of transition into helping people with the skills they need to actually find new jobs and things like that. And maybe that's something that we need to be focusing on is is really encouraging people to get social worker diplomas or mm-hmm. things like that. Or saying that if you're going to be a police officer, you have to have a social worker diploma so that they can have these specialized task forces even. like So having a specialized uh, mental health task force, which handles all of these uh, mental health and wellness checks and things like that, you know, so maybe that's the idea of the way we want to go. Like maybe we don't want to defund the police, but fund certain aspects of it so that it becomes more of a social service versus this uniformed weaponized thing Mm -hmm. and uh, i think you know another perspective you could have would be view this as a opportunity to potentially do something different or something else uh i i would imagine maybe there are some police officers that are maybe more interested in giving up their weapon and actually uh moving on to something maybe a little less stressful maybe because of family situation, uh, uh, maybe they have younger kids, they don't want to be put into uh, situations where it might be more dangerous for them. Uh, I, I can imagine a scenario where there are certain officers that want to actually transition into a new, different role because of, again, changes in family situations, etc. And this this opens up new opportunities to actually branch out beyond just being your traditional police officer. And my hope as well is there's no, uh, we don't create an environment where there's stigma around uh, not being a police officer. Uh, there's, uh, you know, it, it's not that we're trying to uh, devalue uh, maybe their previous training or uh, their status. It's about really kind of, again, kind of potentially changing how police is actually, uh, or policing in a city is actually done. Yeah. So what, one interesting example, uh, Camden, New Jersey, actually went through the process of actually essentially defunding the police. In 2012, they were in a situation where their homicide rate was increasing, and there was this public safety crisis where the homicide rate was 18 times higher than the national rate. Uh, so what they decided to do, and this wasn't, they did defund the police because of uh, racism or anything like that. It was purely 
a financial issue that they had where they couldn't hire more police officers. Uh, it was just impossible uh, while their homicide rate was increasing. So what they actually did was they actually uh, dissolved the, the police force and actually went through a process of rehiring police. And uh, based on the existing pool of police, based on uh, new people who wanted to join the force, they actually went through a process of actually identifying, you know, who should be in the force, the right characteristics. Uh, so it was a essentially a whole new, brand new police force and actually used this police force to do more community outreach, etc. And try to redistribute the roles of police within the city. Uh, and actually, based on that, uh, they saw violent crimes drop uh, by 72% in seven years. So they've been able to uh, make some really great progress by actually essentially defunding the police and uh, actually hiring the right skill sets back into the police force and uh, forcing themselves to look inwards and actually pick the right people for the police department. And actually, I, I would actually maybe propose a different word. Uh, than re- defund the police because I think what I uh, mentioned about like Camden, New Jersey, this is what actually the business world does all the time uh, in terms of and, and I mentioned the reason why I looked up the budgets and all that. I was actually looking at from a from a uh, almost like a corporation standpoint. If I were a company, I want to look at my budget. If I have a structural problem in my organization in my company, uh, I don't. I wouldn't defund. The corporation. If I were to, like the owner of the company, I don't defund it. I actually restructure it because I, if I need to change the business and how it works and how the budgets are allocated, it's actually just called restructuring. That's what companies would do. And so I think this is, if you look at it from an economic standpoint, is actually you're restructuring the police to fit what you need in the community. You're all about the rebranding. You've got freedom well, uh, dividends. I, now <laughs> we could have like the freedom police. <laughs> the, the freedom police. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> or like the freedom task force. Because then you're not associated with the police. You're just the freedom. Right, right. Freedom citizens. <laughs> I like freedom citizens, <laughs> actually. Because <laughs> who wouldn't want the freedom c- citizen, right? Yeah, I mean, freedom citizens coming to my door, being like, yeah, let's be free. I'm there. (laughs) I like it. It's an interesting proposition because this restructuring that you're talking about, it seems to be aimed at addressing the toxic culture of policing, which is the source of a lot of these racist behaviors and overt, aggressive, violent reactions that the bad police seem to have and the ones that are you know, the reason we're having this global conversation right now. I, I hope that in restructuring, it would be a genuine restructuring though, because I, I become nervous of anything that gives police an out to say that they're making changes, but them being ineffectual changes, say they're restructuring, but the culture of toxicity remains intact Defunding, I think, is so pointed because it's going to have an effect one way or another. It's not something that they can pay lip service to saying, we're, we're addressing your complaints, we're doing something, we're restructuring, we're reforming, we're, we're making it better, and then not actually doing it. Defunding, that's going to have an effect no matter what. 
I feel like that's kind of been the issue for years is that they keep saying, oh, we'll do something about it. We'll have these workshops or we'll put on body cameras and it just doesn't seem to actually do something. It's all like all that's been done is Band-Aid approaches, right? So we need some sort of systemic change from the ground up. But on the positive side, and sorry to to cut in, Kenny, I I don't want to see them like I'm disregarding your idea because from what you said, it sounds like this was very effective, this essentially disbanding the police and then rehiring them that they did in New Jersey, you said? Uh, Camden, New Jersey, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it it worked out really, really well for them. Mm -hmm. So if implemented properly, this could be a good solution. Mm Mm-hmm. And this was one of the cities where the police march with Black Lives Matter as well. So this is one of those uh, more progressive cities. I don't know. I had so many issues with all of that happening, like with police walking with Black Lives Matter. Like I understand like it's their way of showing solidarity, but um, I heard so many stories about like in New York, the police marched with Black Lives Matter and then... An hour later, they were just um, spraying them with pepper spray and beating them up and tasing them and stuff like that. So, like, I don't know. I think that their presence, even in these Black Lives Matter protests, are, is highly problematic. It sounds like a front if, you know, they... they yeah, wave but I don't think that it's very way. homogeneous in terms of an organ- uh, in terms of, like, a police force. I don't, I don't think you, you would be able to say the police force basically wanted to play both sides, essentially. I think, I mean, there's, I, I think, again, police force is made of so many different individuals that it would, people will kind of participate, participate on different spectrums uh, of the, of the issue. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's homogeneous. I've been struggling a lot with this. Cause like I said, I have, you know, I have close family friends who, are police members and mm-hmm. and to say like a lot of people are saying oh it's just one bad apple or uh it's not the whole police force mm-hmm. but like you're participating in um a system of oppression and so mm-hmm. even if you're not a bad apple you're participating in it and you're knowingly participating in it so I, I, I kind of struggle with that and I know I don't know like I don't really have an answer but I know that like there's a lot of uh, people of color who are in the police uh, departments working there trying to make a difference. So I know that it's not everyone, but it just, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It feels like but, we're propping but, up these systems. Yeah, but I, I think, yes, it's the system that's a problem. And I think uh, the comment around like the bad apples, I, I, I don't think it's from the evidence, it's clearly not a few bad apples. Like, yeah. again, going back to my statistics on. You know, the number of uh, shootings with white officers versus black officers. I mean, there's clearly not a few bad apples. But um, uh, I, I think we have to acknowledge, I, I think you, there's a case where we have to acknowledge there is a systematic problem. But I think there are, we should allow people within the system, if they do, we know there are people that want change. And while they are part of the system, they still do want change. I don't know if they have the power within them to change the system alone. They probably don't, which is why I think uh, the protests have really highlighted the fact that uh, change actually needs to happen uh, at a much higher level, like 
uh, leaders outside of the police system, mainly politicians, <laughs> uh, need to actually drive the, the change in the system. And I, I think we can acknowledge that, there, yes, there are people in the system that are trying to do good, and we should support them. But at the same time, I, I think they're not going to be able to change the system. It's going to—it's got to be more of a political move for that to happen. Worse yet, you hear stories of you know the good apples essentially being run out of the police force for not properly covering for their fellow officers when they do something mm -hmm. egregious and wrong, and so they become not team player who needs to be pushed out of the department who doesn't receive backup when they call for it because you betrayed me by letting everybody know I beat up that minority kid that I shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. I didn't want to watch the George Floyd video of his death and I really avoided it for as long as I could. Um, and then I was just watching CNN and they showed it and to watch the all eight minutes of it, or? I didn't watch all eight minutes. Mm -hmm. I don't think I could, and I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to glorify, you know, like a lot of um, people of color, a lot of black people are talking about how they don't want those videos shown because they are traumatizing and things like that. So I didn't, I didn't play mm -hmm. into that system. But like to watch that video of the police officers just kind of standing around while it was happening. Like there's clearly some sort of issues with um, authority and the ability to question authority in the mm -hmm. moment and say like, this isn't okay. And, and to be able to, to say something about it, like there's clearly some mm -hmm. issues there as well. Yeah. It's, it's systematic because uh, most, a lot of police departments um, have a policy where if there's excessive force being applied, you you as a police officer are allowed to intervene, right? Uh, it's not like if someone, if a police officer is uh, applying excessive force, no other police officer can intervene. I mean, that is that is not the general policy. So clearly, policy isn't working. So it is mm -hmm. something within the system right now, and or the culture that's uh, not allowing officers to actually intervene. Definitely a culture thing, I think, because like. Mm -hmm. Let's say you spoke up against somebody who you think is using excessive uh, force, then you have to justify it. Um, you could be sort of blackballed almost within your own community of like who wants to work with you. Will you get your promotions that you are set up to get? Like those sorts of things would happen as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a yeah. culture thing I think that needs to be addressed. Yeah. So... Is defunding uh, the way to address the cultural problem, though, is what we circle yeah, back that, to. That was, the, that, was, that was the question I was going to pose. <laughs> <laughs> Does defunding, act, would, would it actually change the culture? It would certainly reduce, like, it, if you're going to cut funding, you're going to reduce the number of available officers. There will be layoffs, for sure. Are the bad apples going to be the ones who get axed, or is it going to be the, the good apples who, you know, find their way out i i don't know yeah i can see you know defunding the police um potentially decreasing the number of uh potential negative interactions so uh for for example you know quite a number of uh, police shootings uh happen in mental health cases uh and if you think about if you had specialists 
instead of police dealing with mental health, you potentially, you know, the number of shootings would go down. So if you think about negative outcomes, defunding the police can potentially lead to more positive outcomes. Uh, in terms of dealing with the culture, though, I, I, I don't, I, I can't quite see a direct link in terms of defunding uh, to potentially change the culture. But I, I, I wonder whether because so much attention uh, is paid on uh, things like where police have murdered um, uh, sus- suspects, etc., whether the attention being paid now uh, where officers are also being arrested and charged, will that start potentially kind of changing the way things are done in, in policing? And my question would be, you know, how is that sustainable? Because while we see, you know, some of these cases in the media right now, my fear would be we forget about it. Uh, we, you know, eventually the news coverage switches to something else. And then we slowly forget about the fact that maybe there is a bad apple in the police force that have that has killed someone, and we just don't hear about it. That's that's actually what I really wonder about the the officer responsible for for George Floyd, whether he's just going to sit under the radar potentially for years, and then his trial will happen sometime down the road when nobody's really protesting it anymore. And he'll just quietly be acquitted and find his way back into the force. Mm-hmm. I don't think that with George Floyd seemed too public. I don't think he'll stay under the radar. But I think Breonna Taylor, her killers, will stay under the radar. I think um, Ahmaud Aubrey. I think like there's so many people who who will just kind of stay under the radar and then we'll forget about and it. And what about and the, what about the people we don't know of? Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's, there has been suggestions in terms of, again, from a structural standpoint, you know, how do we increase the visibility and accountability? Uh, there, there's various suggestions on uh, reporting, you know, anytime the, a weapon's pulled, etc. Anytime any type of force is used, uh, it needs to be uh, reported and investigated. So there's there's been various suggestions. Yeah, I, I, I think... There needs to be some significant changes from a either from a procedural perspective, from a policy perspective, to really start changing the culture. Um, I, and I think defunding the police is actually one way of actually starting that movement. Because as you, I think defunding the police really talks about trying to address the urgent problem, the urgent problem of trying to reduce the number of uh, interactions with the police. Uh, if you in, Statistically speaking, if you can reduce the number of interactions, hopefully you can actually reduce the number of negative outcomes. But then you still need to solve the problem of actually how do you fix the police as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to bring up maybe a couple international ways of they have dealt with it. Because um, I found a really interesting one uh, in Stockholm. So they have something called the Psychiatric Emergency Response Team. Essentially, it's just a mental health ambulance. And it looks like an ambulance, like a regular ambulance on the outside, but on the inside, they have, like, comfortable chairs and nice lighting instead of that, like, bright lights um, that you would have in an ambulance. Um, So I found some some information on them. Um, 
So they respond to about 130 calls per month on average. Um, the vast majority of these being related to suicide risk. Um, so when they get to the person, um, they, they kind of go through this triage and decide, is this person sort of a threat to themselves? Do we need to take them to the hospital? Or if it's been de-escalated in the time it took to get there, so like let's say they showed up to somebody on a bridge who is standing on a bridge who decides they don't actually want to jump, then you put them in the ambulance, you take them home. Um, so they, they actually just kind of provide transport and they talk to people and, and it's more of a, like a, um, like a social worker response to people or as a psychologist response to people of, uh, instead of somebody showing up in a uniform and with a gun, uh, who could be seen as a threat, um, it's more of a humane response to somebody. So, uh, there's more statistics on this, um, like one third of all attended cases resulted in no further action, um, after a psychiatric assessment. And, uh, so sometimes crisis intervention had been made on site. So if you're thinking about all of the times that police go to these wellness checks and things like that, I don't think their outcome would be one third of them don't need further action. I think that things kind of escalate when the police get there, when you see a police uniform, because I know for myself, like I tense up when I see a police uniform, I'm like, Oh my gosh, am I doing the right thing? Am I speeding? Am I, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, yeah, it can be very triggering for a lot of people, especially if you're under the influence of drugs. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, Police serves a purpose, and I think we do need to question, is mental health crisis really something the police should be handling? Um, I mean, fortunately, uh, like London, Ontario, we do have a crisis team as well, like a mental health crisis team that can be sent out um, uh, instead of a police officer. Um, so back when I used to volunteer at the distress center, like we would send out the crisis mobile team all the time, any time for uh, these mental health crises. But I think we also have to, we have to realize, again, because of that funding number that I mentioned earlier, uh, there's one crisis team in the entire city. So if you have more than one mental health crisis at the same time, you're not getting help. <laughs> um, so I, I, I remember uh, we had a situation where uh, there was a situation where there were uh, two kind of mental health uh, crises uh, occurring at the same time. So the team was out, um, and then uh, the other person who was going through a mental health uh, crisis wasn't able to get help uh, until, you know, hours later. So it's a question of resources, So which is goes back to, should we actually allocate more resources into mental health versus having the police deal with it? And I think... The question also is like, so when you call 911, is that crisis team sent out? Is that the idea? Is that automatically that's who's sent? Because usually uh, it's the police officers, is it not? Uh, it usually is the police officer. First, police officer responds first. Uh, the other way of doing it is if the person calls the crisis line themselves, not 911, crisis line, uh, then the, the crisis mobile team can be sent out as well. So there's two pathways to to uh, get the mobile crisis team. 
Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if things have changed. Things could have changed. Uh, back back in my day, uh, unfortunately, we were defunded. So I I, I don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> uh, I'm not part of that uh, group. So mm. yeah, I think um, some of the critiques that I've heard from police, sort of on creating these um, mental health crisis teams, is that uh, sometimes this mental health crisis might involve a weapon and then who's going to protect you from the weapon. But I mm-hmm. think that like these people are trained to deescalate the situation versus mm-hmm. um, somebody like a police officer who might not fully understand what needs yeah, to be done. Yeah, but there's a, this whole triage process as well. Usually even with a 911 call, uh, let's say someone was having suicidal ideation. They ask a series of questions, right? Um, do they have pills? Do they have a knife? Do they, do they have access to a gun? If the answer is they have access to a gun or they have a knife, clearly there's got to be a police officer with a mental health crisis team. Like it, it just makes sense. If it's a bottle of pills, <laughs> that's, I mean, you know, there's no immediate danger, right? Yeah, danger to other people. Uh, sorry, yeah. danger to uh, the crisis team. Obviously yeah. danger to the, yeah. <laughs> the person in, in crisis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like I feel like that's something that we could be doing instead of funding police officers to go to these calls. Um, we're sending out people who might be more appropriate to deal with with a mental health crisis. Yeah, and the things I mean, the this type of model does exist because it does exist in our city right now. It, you know, maybe this is an opportunity to kind of talk about whether that should be expanded uh, beyond just a single crisis team. Mm-hmm. I think this takes a little bit of fire out of uh, another one of the complaints I hear from people who don't want the police defunded, and that's that if you have a smaller police force overall, then the potential for them to feel overwhelmed and escalate a potentially dangerous situation even further and have more critical incidences from fewer police, you know, they don't have enough backup, and so they take a much more escalated approach to a problem that they would have if they had more police officers police officers available. But because you're talking about working in tandem with these mental health units, it's like they have backup of a different kind with them. And so I think that it does kind of address that problem at least a little bit. You, I think, Sherry, you, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, police in schools as well? Yeah, because I know that's sort of come up recently in, I guess, more Canadian news, um, is the um, defunding of uh, police officers in schools. So a lot of people are saying we don't want police officers in schools. So I have a basic question. Are there actually police officers in schools in Canada? They are, yes. Um, Certain schools, like I've gone to certain schools to supply, and when I'm walking in, I see a police officer walking in, um, and that kind of puts you on edge for the rest of the day of like something's going down or... um, there's an issue here or like, this is not a good school to be at or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like originally with schools, police officers, you know, um, 
they directed traffic sometimes around schools. Like this was, you know, back in the 60s or whatever. They would like help make sure that people didn't get run over on their bicycle. Um, But like since the 60s, they've had this increase in drugs and bullying and violent behavior. Um, So they've instituted police in schools. Not There's not like one police officer in every school, but like one police officer will have a range of schools to go to and to be a part of. So, um, essentially what police officers do right now is, um, they provide a community resource. So they get to know the kids, um, and they talk to them and, and sort of become that connection to the police. Um, and then they provide education. So they provide, um, the drug programs, um, so drug and alcohol, Uh, they try and help prevent abuse situations. Um, yeah, they're just pretty much there as a community resource. Um, and if something happens in a school, if drugs are found, um, if, you know, a student needs a police escort offsite, something like that, that's when you'll have a police officer there to do that. Um, and it's become a contentious issue uh and it has been before this year even um the toronto school board in 2017 actually ended their police programs uh they took this poll within their student body uh within the school board and 57 percent were in favor of keeping them but 10 percent were strongly opposed and in a school board like toronto 10 percent is like 2,000 students um so that's, you know, a, a couple, few schools worth of kids who are saying we are strongly opposed to having police officers in schools. Um, so now a lot more school boards are talking about it. Um, and I know that Carlton did a study um, and they found that... Um, that students said they felt less stressed, miss less school, uh, and are better able to learn and are mentally healthier. But we're talking, we're probably talking about a majority, which is that 57% that, that feel that way, right? Um, so I feel like that study was kind of flawed in a way, especially because I don't know exactly what their ratios of, of minority students and things like that, that they were able to get um, samples from or mm-hmm. information from I mean, it sounds like you know police and schools building community connections sounds good on paper but i i'm wondering whether it actually is effective like well, the uh, issue, in terms of, sorry hmm? the issue is that when you're you're trying to build these community connections like people are really triggered by seeing police so if you're that, that's, in a that's minority, what it, yeah yeah, that's that's what I mean in terms of like what is the actual outcome that was measured like uh, after the police showed up? Like, are the outcomes actually better, or did they actually not have an impact or worse? And because yeah. in, 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 on paper it sounds good, but uh, I think it's about the outcomes that actually matter. Yeah, um, the Carlton uh, study said that there. Um, so their their conclusions were that the program reduces crime and bullying and provides extensive social and economic benefits 
estimated at 11 times the annual cost. I'm not sure exactly what that means. I wasn't able to dive deeper into that, but um, I feel like that's so one-sided. Like, I feel like I understand that 10% is like, why are we catering to 10% of a population and that sort of thing? But like, it's the 10% that is most vulnerable. So if we're not listening to the most vulnerable voices in our communities, what are we even doing? Do you know what I mean? Like, like, so what? Some white kids are at 57% were, were finding benefits from this. But like the other 10% that are targeted by police, that are uh, experiencing violence from the police, they just, they find it traumatizing. It was, um, do you know, in terms of the study, was the study focused on Toronto or was it like, Ontario wide um I think oh I can't remember I'm so sorry uh they studied five schools so they only okay. studied five so schools. small <laughs> so small sample size okay got yeah it. <laughs> very small sample size yeah but like it's it's probably the only study that I've seen that's been done on okay. police in schools um and it's the one I think that police might point to when they're defending it. I saw an article in the CBC um, that a police officer was saying, like, and to be honest, it was it was a white woman who was saying, like, I make all these community connections with these kids. These kids know me by my first name, and the first thing I do is show them a picture of myself out of uniform and stuff like that. But, like, what about the kid in the back who doesn't even want to approach you because you're in a uniform? You know what I mean? Like, you talk to that kid, you show them your uniform, you made that connection, whatever, but, like, that's because they felt comfortable enough to approach you. I'm not fully swayed. I'm not fully swayed either way because <laughs> I, I, I feel like I need more data. Mm. That's fair. I fall on the side of we don't need police officers in schools. Mm. Um, I think that, again, with this whole defund the police conversation yeah. is that we need to put more funding from that police budget into social workers in schools, into, um, you know, like we could hire educators to come in and educate people on drugs prevention, alcohol prevention, that sort of thing, like to, mm-hmm. to do that job instead of a police officer. And they have to wear their uniform in a school in case that they get called out um, to a call somewhere in the community. Yeah. Isn't the, the the purpose of the police officer in school because I'm assuming they may have had problems in the past and have, do people talk about, you know, hiring more, I don't know, counselors? Uh, does conversation ever get to that point or is is it always about some kind of like safety issue that that's why, you know, they need police? It's usually like a, sometimes it's safety issues. Sometimes it's just like drugs or whatever, but also mm-hmm. education. So it's like, it's like a, it's a conglomerate of all of those things. Um, and people are only now talking about what could we do to replace that kind of presence? Yeah. Um, because police, like it's one police person per however many schools, but like there's a school in London that whenever I go there, there's always a police presence. Um, mm-hmm. and they've definitely had a lot of issues with, racial violence within the school so like i I, think i can guess which one (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying not to name it (laughs) 
But like, so you. I, I've, like, I've heard, I heard uh, rumors. <laughs> but. So you can understand why there would be yeah. police there because, like, yeah. obviously there's racial violence, but like, at the same time, is that violence being escalated because there is a police officer there? Because you're dealing with racially um, diverse populace, so the indigenous population and um, the black population and things like that who are targeted by police. So is their response to the police a little bit more intense than, let's say, if the police weren't there? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm finding it hard to put a position for it for me. I know. You need all the data and stuff. I don't have yeah. all of the data for you. I just have yeah. my opinion. But uh, I, I will point I mean, like, I, I don't really quite understand why police have to be there. I, I, I don't want to just say off that, like, outright that, oh, police shouldn't be there. Only because I, I don't understand the full context of why why the police are there in the first place. I, I just assume that, again, uh, this is my own bias. Like, you know, well, my school was not the great, not the good school. It wasn't because of the good school. Uh, but at the same time, we did have police roaming around in our school. Um, and we definitely had our our issues with, like, gang violence. But <laughs> it wasn't like police were, you know, there all the time. Um, yeah. I so think- I, I just can't wrap, put my head around, like, why... Is it because the situation was so bad that like police had to be there, or I think the idea is that they are trying to uh, provide a uniformed presence to prevent anything from happening, um, provide some deterrence effect, <laughs> discouraging like drug use or whatever, um, because teachers can't always respond to the kids in the parking lot who are you know. I don't know, doing drugs of some kind. Yeah. I just, I think there's a lot that we could replace from that even, um, you know, in in terms of the education aspect of it, having, you know, trained social workers and things like that instead of a police presence. I don't, I don't, I feel like a police presence is instead of a preventative measure, it's kind of punitive still in a way. Of saying, it we is, know you're going to do something It sounds very reactive. Yeah. It, it sounds, I mean, that, that's what, in my head I'm thinking, I mean, there, there's the reason why they're there, something must have happened because it's a, it's a reactive response. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. And I think yeah, I, it's a bit too reactive. I think I agree with you, Sherry, that as opposed to taking the most punitive approach to whatever small crimes are happening in school, be they drug-related or or what have you, maybe petty thefts, to have some other authority but not police authority there to address the problem could do as good or better a job and provide a less stressful environment to certain persons who feel targeted by a police presence. So, yeah, police out of schools, I think I'm leaning that way too. So... Did we solve anything? I don't think we did. (laughs) We're not here to solve anything. Exactly. (laughs) There is no, I think that's the issue with this, is there is no solution, right? There's no, we have to do trial and error. We have to try things out and see if it works, and if it doesn't, we have to change it. I think as a society, we get really stuck in, here is what I think the solution should be. Let's stick to this one until it works, and and it doesn't always work. Like, we have to think. Well, yeah, like, basically repeating the same, uh, throwing more money at the problem. Basically, mm-hmm. like throwing more money into police departments uh, magically will solve our issues, which 
I mean, it clearly has not been. So I think there's there's definitely some evidence to kind of say, okay, we actually do need to do something different other than continue to throw more money at the problem. We have to be more open to change. I think we just get stuck in these systems and we don't want to change. And the people who are at the top want to stay at the top, so they don't want to change that either. So I think we have to be more willing to work um, to change things versus putting Band-Aids on it. I think we need the right politicians in office too, though, as uh, our good friend Donald Trump would mention, we are the, the radical left who has lost our minds for even considering these possibilities like defunding the police. So if the leadership isn't there in the political realm, it's difficult to, to find a better outcome with radical change. Radical change just won't happen. Yeah. But, you know, the good thing about police funding, it's a local issue. It's local politicians who have the power here. So uh, Donald Trump doesn't dictate uh, how much mo- how much money goes to police departments. So um, empo- empower your local politicians if you want change. Positive message, Kenny. I like it. Okay, so thanks everyone for joining us on this wonderful discussion, and I uh, hope. Uh, you guys have a great rest of your day because it's been a very stressful month. <laughs> God, it's been a stressful year. There's no end. <laughs> We're only in like July, June. I don't know what we are anymore. <laughs> July. We're in July almost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, what happened? <laughs> it has to get better. At some point, it'll all get better. Yeah. At some point. Maybe not yet, but <laughs> at some point. <laughs> I've lost my optimism. You still yeah. have it. Good for you. I've yeah. lost it. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's uh, try to end now before we <laughs> yeah, before we descend a, a deeper into hole. Despair. Exactly. Okay, talk to you guys later. Bye. Yeah, bye. Stay safe, everyone. Bye. <laughs>